Coming up on Studos America, we'll get some reactions to Biden's break with Russian oil from Robert Bryce. LeBron James has surpassed his own stupidity with his narcissism. Real winning combo you got going on there, Bron. Get 10 bucks off a Blaze TV subscription right now when you visit blazetv.com slash stew and enter that promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. And what does Vladimir Putin have in common with Adolf Hitler? Well, I don't know, probably a bunch of stuff, but let's focus on just one thing in particular, as we do Putin and Hitler. Stu does America. Couple of big ongoing news stories right now. Day 12 of the invasion of Russia into Ukraine and day five of no tie clip. Uh, I know you're panicked as much as I am. I am told tie clip comes tomorrow. But I'm panicked about it. We'll see. Also, it's International Women's Day. Happy International Women's Day. Unfortunately, we no longer know what a woman is. So I don't know how we even know who's to, who to celebrate these days. That insanity is real. But because there is so much insanity, some on the right will look around kind of for anyone who shows any sign of sanity and looks to align with them no matter how crazy they are. This isn't everybody on the right, but there are some on the right. For example, Kanye West. We remember this, right? We remember when, like, all of a sudden we were like, hey, the guy with the red hat, he seems sane. Well, he, you liked the red hat, but he was never sane. There was a big separation between the red hat and the sanity. We all see some of this uh, all across our entire society. People do this from time to time. You align with some crazy, crazy peeps. For here and there. We're even seeing some of this on the right with some some elements of the right, at least with Vladimir Putin. Uh, an example of this is Steve Bannon. Now, Steve Bannon is, uh, you know, he's he was obviously excommunicated uh, from uh, the White House when uh, Trump was still president, but he's still out there doing his thing. And he's closely aligned with a guy named Alexander Dugan. I will tell you, uh, we're not going to get into Alexander Dugan completely here today. Uh, our friend Glenn Beck has done that uh, better than I ever could, and you can watch, you know, dozens of shows about this philosophy and his his fourth uh, political theory uh, that he's developed. He's got a new book out too, which pretty crazy. Dugan has a pro-Russia, pro-traditionalism worldview that is literally designed, in his own words, to bring on what you can fairly describe as the apocalypse. And he's using traditional values, many of which sound sort of sane to bridge sort of Putinism and American conservatism through a nationalist culture war perspective. Here's an example of it. And the reason that Putin ain't woke, he is anti-woke. The Russians, people still know which bathroom to use. They know how many, how many genders are there in Russia? Two. Okay. That's all of a sudden. That's 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 not that's not. They don't have the flags. They don't have the pride flags outside on their on their. They don't have boys swimming in girls' uh, college swim meets. How backward! It's it's how, embarrassing. How, how savage! How medieval! How how medieval! This is why this whole thing's a scam. It's a total and complete scam. Hmm. Now, of course, just because it's true that Putin doesn't have male swimmers and female swim meets, that doesn't make him a good guy. It doesn't make him right about Ukraine. It doesn't make him right about any of his other viewpoints. Uh, it doesn't make any of them correct. And it doesn't even mean he, Putin, believes any of this stuff. He's using it. For example, let's say I, uh, let's say I tell you right now, I belong to two gyms. Does that mean that I'm in shape? No. Why? 
because, you know, you're supposed to go to the gym when you join a gym. Claiming publicly that you belong to a gym but then never showing up doesn't mean a thing. It's kind of like Miley Cyrus being baptized in the Southern Baptist Church. Sure, she's an official member, but that's where the involvement stops and the twerking begins. And unlike Vladimir Putin, well, you know, there's a bit of a difference here. I mean, I guess there's a, you can, might be able to detect a tad of difference between Miley Cyrus and Vladimir Putin, though I think they probably both twerk. Like Vladimir Putin, however, his occasional embrace of the right side of the culture war doesn't mean he agrees with traditional values as American conservatives recognize them. He's not on our side. It's been a couple of minutes, and I haven't even brought up Hitler yet, so let's solve that problem right now. Not to compare Putin, or Miley Cyrus, for that matter, to Adolf Hitler. Uh, you know, Adolf, as we know, was a special kind of evil. But Hitler was raised in a Catholic environment and never technically left the church. He may have belonged to the Catholic community very early on in his childhood, but there's no evidence to suggest he ever was a practicing Christian, ever. Anti-Christians and leftists try to use Hitler's upbringing and quotes like, I believe that to, uh, today that my conduct is in accordance with the will of the almighty creator. Do you, Adolf? And my feelings as a Christian points me to my Lord and Savior as a fighter. They use these quotes to discredit Christianity, to discredit the faith. And yes, Adolf Hitler did absolutely say some things that were sort of Christian-y, or at least Christian-esque. But he's saying those things in the same way that I fervently announce that I'm definitely going to the gym tomorrow. In other words, he's lying. Hitler used Christian imagery and popular phrases for one purpose only. He needed the German Christian voters, just like Putin is trying to curry favor and create chaos all around the globe. Here's what Adolf really thought about church. Quote, we do not want to battle against Christianity. On the contrary, we have to declare ourselves to be the only true Christians. This means that we have to throw the entire weight of the party at the saboteurs. Christianity is the slogan under which we will eradicate the preachers, just as socialism was the one under which we destroyed the Marxist bigwigs. This is Alexander Dugan-esque all the way. He used German Christians, and many unfortunate people couldn't see through the charade. Historic Friedrich Tim was one of the exceptions. He sought to reveal Hitler and the Nazis' faux Christian front by writing in 1933, quote, To my mind, everyone who believes in their grand promises and indeed their Christian beliefs is a fool. You should recognize them by the fault of their deeds, and those fruits are murder, manslaughter, violence, and every sort of ruthless careerism. Ruthless careerism. It's sort of a... Sort of an odd pairing there by Friedrich. You know, the Nazis are brutally murdering people, and they appear to be too focused on their own career advancement in the workplace. Hitler's plan was to use Christianity so he could distort Christianity. In 1939, he established the Institute for the Study and Eradication of Jewish Influence on German Church Life. It's a mouthful. Or you could just say, is it the I-S-E-J-I-G-C for short. He used this to change the Christian churches from within. The institute was created specifically to institutionalize two new doctrines. Number one, the Old Testament is garbage because it was written by Jews. And number two, Jesus was not, in fact, Jewish. The Nazis came to believe that Jesus was appropriated from the long-forgotten Germanic god, Christ, and that the Bible was actually written in German 
And of course, obviously, as we all know, the New Testament took place entirely in Germany. NSS member Carl Willigat happened, just happened, to stumble upon these lost facts. He later was committed to an estate asylum for obvious reasons. Hitler came to realize that changing the Christian churches by simply rewriting its history and allowing them to operate was not going to work. He proclaimed, quote, in the long term, National Socialism and the churches won't be able to coexist. His outlook on transforming the churches became even bleaker over the course of the war. In December of 1941, Hitler remarked, quote, the war will run its course and then I will see it as my life's work to sort out the problem with the churches. Only then will the German nation be safe. I do not care in the slightest about articles of faith, but I'm not having clerics sticking their noses in worldly affairs. This organized lie has to be broken in such a way that the state becomes the absolute master. What a Christian. Hitler's solution to this problem, I quote, the best thing is to let Christianity gradually fade out. A long phase out has something conciliatory. The dogma of Christianity will collapse in the face of science. Doesn't that just have a ring of familiarity, at least recently? It's clear that Christian was, uh, Hitler was not a fan of Christianity. You see, Christians believe in a power higher than themselves, a power higher than even the state. Yeah, I know, it's hard to believe. And that's what Hitler had a problem with. And that's frankly what Putin has a problem with as well. We're talking about someone who is on the record calling Christian churches, quote, the most terrible institution imaginable. Does that sound like a quote from a true believer? I don't think so. And just to clear it up, any confusion there, the last quote is not by Hitler. No, that one is by Hitler, not by Putin. It's definitely not by Miley Cyrus, that much I'm sure of. You may have noticed that tensions in Europe are boiling over just a little bit. Inflation's at a 40-year high. Some analysts predict stock returns of less than 4% until 2030. So how are some Americans preparing for economic uncertainty? Well, many are investing their money in an unexpected commodity. Now, it's not natural gas or oil or gold. Even though all investments involve risk, some experts believe it's even better than uh, a hedge against inflation than some precious metals. And its, price, uh, its prices outpaced the S&P 500 by 164% from 1995 to 2021. So what is it? Contemporary art. Who knew? After the 2008 crash, uh, tons of wealthy investors use art to defend their wealth. And thanks to Masterworks, you can do it too. Now look, you're not going to go out and buy like a Monet. You're not going to pick one up at the local store for a couple of hundred million dollars and enjoy it in your home. That's not the way you can invest in this. Uh, there's a new app out there. It's a revolutionary app, Masterworks. It's made multi-million dollar paintings investable. In other words, you can invest in paintings without needing to buy the entire thing. To discover how to participate along over 350,000 members, go to masterworks.io slash stew. The world of investing in art is something that was really untouchable for the average person for a really long time. It's not now. Masterworks.io slash stew. You can see important uh, you know, disclosures and all that stuff at masterworks.io. Check it out. Masterworks.io slash stew. So it 
it might be clear to you at this point that your gas prices are going to go up a little bit. But, I mean, you know, honestly, did your kids really need to go to college anyway? Probably not, right? Uh, how much is this going to affect us? I want to bring in Robert Bryce. Uh, he's, he's the author of A Question of Power, Electricity, and the Wealth of Nations and host of the Power Hungry podcast, which you should go subscribe to right now. Robert, how's it going? All good, Stu, but uh, I, I thought things couldn't get any crazier and somehow, <laughs> I don't know, we keep redlining on crazy and it goes past the red line. I don't. I, I thought COVID was crazy and I, I wasn't ready for this one, I'll tell you. I know, it just never seems, and I think we just have to lock ourselves into this mindset till the end of our lives. This is what it's going to be like, constant chaos oh, all the time. Oh, oh, oh great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... It, First of all, let me start with this. Uh, give me the basics here, Robert. How much, how much does it matter here? I mean, we're, we're getting rid of, uh, I guess we're not going to be importing any Russian oil. Uh, looks like uh, UK is sort of following suit on that. How important is Russian oil to the market and what does it mean to the average American? Well, forget it. Forget it being Russian oil. I mean, just for just for the moment. But it's roughly 7% of global, of the oil that's imported into the global market. So Oil, the oil prices run, it's a marginal supply business. The price is set on marginal supply. So even a small change in the amount of supply that's available either in surplus or in in, uh, uh, in shortage has a, oh, an exaggerated effect on prices. So uh, to me, what is really clear now, Stu, is that this is going to be a long-term issue, and it's bad for consumers. It's bad for the economy. High oil prices are always correlated with uh, recessions and even depressions. I mean, these are these are major economic shocks, and uh, and it's not just oil, which uh, you know we can talk about coal, uh, propane, natural gas. I mean, these these prices of all energy commodities are skyrocketing. Yeah, it really, I mean, it's, it is a really wild time. And of course, this affects, we've talked about this before, affects every little piece of your daily life, uh, everything from your medicines to your transportation to your clothing, everything. Um, speaking of, uh, of, of Russian oil specifically, th when you say it's a long-term problem, that's something that hit me today as well, in that, like, let's just say, this ends in the next couple of months and Russia decides, ah, oh, we're just going to go back home. I can't imagine this right by the way. I can't imagine Vladimir Putin saying, I guess it's time to go back home. It's not like we're going to open this up again. I mean, like all these companies are leaving. Uh, we're not going to just open up and say, OK, you guys made a mistake. You killed a, a few thousand people over in Ukraine. And now you're going to be we're going to welcome you open arms back into the global economy. This is going to be a long term issue. Well, absolutely, and and the U.S. for all of its you know tremendous energy infrastructure and and ability to produce hydrocarbons of all kinds, we can't fill that gap. And you know the Biden administration. Let me be clear: I'm not a Democrat, not a Republican. I'm disgusted. But the Biden administration's policies on all of this, in terms of oh well, we'll just use more renewables. But that's what got Europe into this hole in the first place. Mm. As uh, Benny Pizer is on my podcast today, and he called it uh, Europe's unilateral energy disarmament. And that's exactly what they did. They drove themselves into the ditch. They did it by over-investing in renewables, under-investing in hydrocarbons, closing down their baseload plants, their coal and nuclear plants, 
and then decided, oh, we're going to rely on Uncle Vlad for all the gas we need. Well, I mean, this, you, they did this to themselves, and, and it's going to take years for them to straighten this out. And what they need to do, you know, and this is not going to, the Greenpeace is not going to like this, but this is the reality. They have to start drilling, and they have to start drilling in a big way. Mm. Well, we were told by Joe Biden today, made a big speech, and he came out and he said it's simply not true that his policies are holding back domestic production we're going to hit record levels this year. I mean, he seems to think he's doing a wonderful job in this in this uh, his arena. I, I, I don't get it. I, you know, I'll, I was talking to a, a, a acquaintance of mine who works in Washington in the foreign affairs parts of the administration. And he said something that was amazing. He said, you know, when it comes to energy, the Biden crowd, they have a lot of tactics, but no strategy. I mean, they just don't. I mean, they, you know, oh, well, they cancel Keystone XL when they first thing they get into office. Uh, look at the, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission just a few days ago uh, issued a ruling saying that all new pipelines in the U.S. will have to consider climate change or the, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. The Democratic majority at the NRC rescinded the extension for the Peach Bottom nuclear plant in Pennsylvania and Turkey Point in uh, in Florida. But let me let me just circle back to one other quick point here, Stu. This this energy shock is about you know we're talking about oil. Remember the coal price in Newcastle, that's one of the global benchmarks in Australia, is over four hundred dollars a ton now. And in Europe, the the price of natural gas at TTF, which is the Dutch trading hub, the front month price is seventy two dollars. Here in the U.S., it's five dollars. So. Europe is digging itself in a hole and they're going to buy as much coal as they can find on the global market. But right now there's a shortage of coal in the global marketplace. Uh, you're trying to sort through the differences because you hear you know, people on the right saying, look, we just got to we just got to drill. We got to open up our reserves. Why won't Biden do that? Which I think is a you know, is a good point long term. Uh, but it's not something that you'd turn on today like it wouldn't all be ready to go right this second. Um, on the other side, Biden and, and, the, and the left seem to be saying, we don't want to go down those roads because if we do, we're going to lock this in for a long term. And that's going to lead to defeating our you know, climate stuff that we want to get done. Uh, I mean, look, long term, the, the sensible thing to do is to open up these resources, make sure that we're protected and independent as much as possible. And in the long term, there may be more advanced technologies that come out that we absolutely love and solve all these problems. But right now we have a problem of a massive uh, energy uh, shortage that's going to be hitting the globe. And it's going to lead, as you talk about in, in, your, in uh, your, your podcast, in your documentary, it's going to lead to real problems, not just uh, with prices in America, but also for people all around the world who are on the verge of poverty. Absolutely. I mean, this is uh, the high energy prices are a, a tax on the poor. You know, uh, I do OK. I'm not I don't consider myself rich, but, you know, a, a, another dollar for a gallon for gasoline for me doesn't you know, I can probably afford it. But think about the tradesmen. You know, I live in Austin, Texas. You know, the, a lot of the tradesmen who work in Austin, they live outside of town. They have to commute a long way and they're driving pickup trucks that use a lot of fuel. This is a this is a direct hit in their wallet. And it's it's a regressive tax. And um, I just finished a piece that's going to be published in a few days. I, want, I don't want to jinx it. But look at what has happened in California. California has mimicked Europe's policies more closely than any other state in America. They did the same thing Europe did underinvested in hydrocarbons, overinvested in renewables, shut down their uh, baseload plants, including their nuclear plants, and they're planning to close Diablo Canyon. 
Um, and they rely too, uh, heavily on imports. They import more electricity than any other state in the country. I mean, they dug themselves ju- uh, 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 their own, you know, their own hole in the ground, and, and they're driving themselves into the ditch, just like the Europeans. I mean, this should be an inflection point, Stu. I mean, this should be a moment in time where the policymakers understand all of this talk, this this myth around, oh, we can do it all with renewables. We don't need nuclear. We don't need hydrocarbons. It was all a big fat lie, and we've been duped, and we need to need to sober up because this is a wake up call of the first order. And yet. They seem to be doubling down on this lie, right? Their answer to this is, well, this just proves that we should be yeah. completely green and <laughs> oh, right. we should not have any yeah. reliance on foreign oil. I mean, this is it's not a sensible point. Well, exactly. And what what happened in in Europe? Why did they, they you know, they got short of gas before winter? Well, what happened? Wind droughts. You can cover all of Germany. You can cover all of France. You can put cover the Eiffel Tower with wind turbines. You can't make the wind blow. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, hello, what are you doing? <laughs> and then Germany just today, which is even more remarkable, the German government announced they're not going to extend the lives of their existing nuclear plants, nor are they going to revive the ones that the three plants that they just closed in December. I mean, when you're in a hole, stop digging. But who were the ministries in Germany that made this decision? The two ministries controlled by the Green Party. I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. I mean, even after what they're looking at now, they're making these kind of foolish moves. It's inexplicable. It really is remarkable. Um, one of the pieces, one of the defenses uh, of uh, that Biden brought up today, and the left brings this up all the time. They say there are 9,000 drilling permits that are out there that these oil companies have that they're not using. And, you know, in the same breath, they'll call them super greedy. And I don't understand why they wouldn't be using them if they're so greedy. What is the truth behind this claim? I mean, uh, not, are there really 9,000 permits and why wouldn't the oil companies use them? Well, I, you know, I don't run those oil companies. I just have a hunch, Stu, and it's only just the barest hunch <laughs> that maybe those guys who run those oil companies know what they're doing. Maybe they have an idea about, well, we're not going to drill over there because we have a better prospect over here. And and further, I didn't hear anyone having bake sales for ExxonMobil uh, a few months ago when it was losing billions of dollars and the price of oil was at 30 and in some cases was selling for negative prices in West Texas for a few minutes, right? Now, oh, well, those poor oil companies, let's help them out. And now the oil prices snap back and suddenly, oh, they're, they're reprehensible again. I mean, these are what, what was Hillary's line? What was it? The uh, not incorrigibles. What was the deplorables, it? The, uh, yes. The, the deplorables. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right. Uh, you know, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's go ahead. Go ahead. No, sorry. It's, yeah, it's funny just because, like, I, obviously, like, you can't say these companies. He went through this big thing about greed and price gouging and all of this. And you're saying these companies are so greedy. I mean, quite obviously, right, they're not drilling in these places because either they had an exploration permit and they did not find what they thought they might find, or the oil was too expensive to extract and they didn't think they'd be able to make enough money on it, especially when oil prices were low. These are long-term things, but the Biden administration quite clearly is not only sending signals to the, the industry not to drill, but is getting in their way every step of the way. I, I can't explain it, Stu. I mean, I, I've, I've watched this and I, I just, I, I, I can't explain it. I, they, 
you know, they they but look who they put in in you know their top positions. Um, I'm I'm adamantly pro nuclear. If we're serious about CO2 emissions, mm. we have to get serious about nuclear. My line is: if you're anti nuclear and anti carbon dioxide, you're pro blackout. Well, I'm anti blackout. I am absolutely anti blackout. But who are then the top climate advisors in the Biden administration? Gina McCarthy. Where did she work before she worked at the at the Biden administration? The Natural Resources Defense Council. Mm. The one of the most anti-nuclear groups in America. They succeeded in closing the Indian Point nuclear plant in New York, and now they they have have helped and it's on track to close the Diablo Canyon nuclear plant in California. Which forget that it's nuclear. It's ten percent of the entire generation capacity in the state of California, and they're going to close it anyway. I mean. It, this should, as I said, this should be a wake-up call. This is, should be an inflection point where we get some serious energy realism and, more importantly, energy humanism. We, these these policies, these high prices are terrible for the poor and the middle class. And I don't hear Biden talking about them at all. Yeah, I mean, especially when you look, you know, I, you brought up, the, you know, the guy who's commuting into work in his pickup truck. And that's a big, big deal. But, I mean, think about somebody who's living in, you know, in Asia or in Latin America who is, you know, sure. I, I mean, it's going to hit them even harder. Um, before we go here, Robert, give me what I know you can't predict the future. If you could, I'm sure, you know, you'd be a multi-billionaire. I'd, be, like I'd, Elon I'd, Musk. Own, I'd, I'd, I'd own your your television station and this hotel where I'm staying here. I would be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'd all we'd all be in those positions if we could predict the future. We we kind of know that prices are going to go up. Do we have any sense how high, how bad is this going to be for the American people? Well, uh, I think it was Bank of America was predicting 100, you know, that we'd have 130. We're at 120. What's uh, WTIs and 124 Brits at 130. I mean, it could certainly uh, absolutely go higher from here because the market is scared and trying to find the commodities for of all kinds. But remember, Stu, uh, just this is a side point. This isn't a question you asked, but. It's not just going to be about oil. Look at what is happening with these so-called green metals, copper, neodymium, uh, cobalt, nickel. The price of nickel is skyrocketing um, because of all this uncertainty in Russia. So this idea is these claims, oh, we'll just go to alternative energies and renewables and so on. It, it forgets the fact that all of that requires massive amounts of mining uh, for metals and minerals, polysil for silicon, um, for graphite. Um, and, and, you know, all of these metals are skyrocketing in prices. So uh, I, I don't I wish I had some, you know, some good news. But I think that only the price, uh, the, the price inflation across all commodities is is going to accelerate in the next few months. That's my prediction. I can't even imagine what this is going to do to the supply chain. We already have so many problems. I ordered a car six months ago and it's not even being built yet. It could be 2026 right. by the time I see this thing. Yeah. I mean, and and this is one of, going to be one of the key things you mentioned, Elon Musk. Tesla is a long-term bet on. Let's clear. Let's be clear on the price of lithium, you know, and that's the key commodity in their batteries, and the price of nickel, mm. and the price of you know, and rare earth elements, neodymium. Who controls the market for those things? Russia and China. China controls ninety-two percent. The Department of Energy just put out a report. They control 92% of the global market for neodymium iron boron magnets. Those are the magnets that are the key ingredient in electric motors that go in EVs. So, oh, yeah, well, let's just, you know, electrify everything and, and make everyone drive electric vehicles. Oh, good. 
So just like Russia, just like Europe handed their future commodities and supply chains to Russia, the U.S. wants to hand our supply chains to China. Are you crazy, man? Mm-hmm. I mean, this, there's no sense of industrial policy with this administration, and there's no long-term thinking about where this is all going. And I, I find it deeply worrying. <laughs> this is going to be amazing. We're going we're to buy oil from Iran in Venezuela and then electrify oh. cars so we can buy a bunch of new metals uh, from China. This is a great approach. It's going to work out really well, I'm sure. Robert Bryce, author of A Question of Power, Electricity, and the Wealth of Nations, also a host of the Power Hungry podcast, which right now I don't think can be more, possibly be more relevant. Uh, you can get it wherever uh, you get your podcast. Robert, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thanks a million, Stu. Always happy to talk to you. We, we, I, we see how unpredictable the world is right now. And if you're trying to buy or sell a home, uh, you know that's a big part of your life. It's a big move. It's a big decision point uh, in your life. And you need to make sure you have someone on your team who knows what they're doing. You need a real estate agent you can trust. Glenn started a company, this is years ago now, where he said, you know, we, right now the way we pick a real estate agent is we kind of just like maybe look at the, the digital listing of a house that we like and, and just email the person or we see their ad somewhere and we just pick them. Or maybe it's a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. That's not the right way to pick someone to represent you in your biggest financial transaction probably of your entire life up until that point. You need someone who's going to be able to go screen through the agents, find the best agent in your area. And the way to do that is the company that Glenn created. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. You can get more information now at realestateagentsitrust.com. Check it out now, realestateagentsitrust.com. So we know prices are going up. Inflation is hitting us, and we're having to deal with that. But what else should we be looking for? Well, get ready for shrinkflation. Yes, the most, uh, you know, this is a great one that they do. Companies love to do this. They give you something, and they don't raise the price. Maybe they raise the price a little bit, but they don't necessarily raise the price that much. They just give you less in the same looking package. For example, uh, Procter & Gamble's uh, Charmin's Ultra Soft Toilet Paper, 18 count mega package, now has 244 two-ply sheets down from 264. Their super mega rolls uh, now have 366 sheets versus 396 sheets, which they had before. Uh, the, that amounts to losing the equivalent of about a roll and a half in your 18-count package. Get ready. Get ready to look for this stuff. And you, can, you know what? You can have your little sticker that you normally put on the gas pump, and you just put it all over your house because the Joe Biden pointing at it and saying, I did that, is going to be affecting your life for quite a long time to come. Um, and this is just the way our government works. Works really, really well. Everything they do is just, just, just peachy keen. It's so wonderful. For example, the COVID relief funds. We sent out trillions and trillions of dollars to deserving people all around the globe. Now, we, of course, didn't ask them if they had any financial hardship associated uh, with, these, uh, with COVID. And it's true. Like a lot of companies at the beginning were like, hey, you know, give me the money because my, my, my company's going to tank. And then their company didn't tank. They didn't have to give the money back. It's, it's a bizarre situation, the whole thing. I mean, you know, a lot of people... Uh, got wrapped up in this and, you know, they had no idea what was going on. A lot of companies didn't even know how this stuff worked. Well, some people did know and they took advantage of it. For example, a Georgia man who uh, got $85,000 for his small business, it supported 10 employees. Only thing was um, he didn't have a small business. So he used that $85,000 to buy 
a Pokemon card. Actually, the Pokemon card was only 57000 so he had some extra cash laid over, uh, left over, but he got sentenced to three years in federal prison. He bought a 57000 Charizard card, which my son would 100% know what that is. In fact, he does know what that is. I've heard him say Charizard before. If he's got one of those, though, I gotta start, if it's fifty-seven grand, i got to start looking for his Charizards. Maybe those just disappear after he goes to school one day. I'm just saying. Oh, I don't know what happened to him, kid, but I got a new car in the driveway. Uh, Batman is uh, here, uh, the Batman, because what we needed in this country was another superhero movie. Did you know they even made them? It's almost as if, you know, there was another one called it was Spider-Man that just came out. Two biggest movies since pandemic started. Spider-Man, Batman. And this one, I think, is going to be totally different than the others. I'm really excited to see it. Uh, but the one interesting thing about, about I don't like Spider, I don't like Superman, superhero movies, just in case you didn't know that fact about me. Uh, I'm bored by them. But the Batman is supposed to be pretty good. People uh, seem to really like it. One of the interesting things that they're doing in movie theaters now is pricing the tickets based on how in demand that particular movie is, and not only that, but what particular showing. So you could go to a matinee or um, you know, maybe a Wednesday night showing of The Batman and pay normal price, or you can pay 50% more if you're going to a 9 p.m. Friday night show. Uh, that's, that's kind of what they're fooling with with AMC now starting this. And honestly, like, I can see this being frustrating for some people, but I think generally speaking, it's, I think it's a good thing. You know, they did the same. They've they've tried to fool with the same thing uh, in sports where they're like, well, you know, the Rangers game against uh, the Yankees is going to be really expensive. And luckily, and this helps me as the America's only Blue Jays fan, Blue Jays come to town. It's a little empty. Maybe those prices come down a little bit. Right. If the demand is lower, they should be able to flex a little bit. Why? You know, I, I have always said, you know what? You ever go to a movie and you pay for a movie and then you get in there and it's packed and you got to sit in the front row? That seat should be like $2. And then they'd fill the front row. People would actually go to see it. But instead, you know, you get stuck in there every once in a while and you hate your life and your neck hurts for the next six months. Uh, I think this is actually a good idea. You know, if, if you want to overpay, you want to you make a night of it, you want to go out and you, wanna, you really want to make sure you're there for that particular high demand show and you pay a little more and you deal with it. If you want to see the movie later on, maybe you pay a little bit less. That kind of makes sense to me. I don't, I don't mind it. Aaron Rodgers, of course, the unvaccinated Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. That's right. Unvaccinated. That means he's killed thousands of people around the country <laughs> and still won the MVP. Amazing. That's how good of a quarterback he is. He's winning the MVP despite killing more grandmas than Andrew Cuomo. So uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, big MVP, when, if you remember before last year, he said, I don't want to come back to the Packers. I'm sick of this, you know, the situation I want out. He wound up playing anyway. They obviously did very well until, as is the case normally, they lost in the first round of the playoffs. But he uh, had a great year. They wanted to have him back. They've now negotiated a new deal, the highest paid player in NFL history, just the 50 mil a year, four years, $200 million. Uh, I will say Rodgers is denying he's signed this contract, but he's saying he will be back with the Packers. So we don't know the exact details of the contract yet, but $153 million guarantee is the rumor. Uh, and it will create some extra cap space for the Packers to uh, hopefully get past that first round playoff loss. Uh, ESPN on this International Women's Day is launching brand new. Get excited, everybody. WNBA Fantasy Basketball. 
Yeah, because people love the WNBA so much they want to spend more time thinking about it. Now, I, the star player of the WNBA, Brittany Griner, is currently in a Russian jail, so I don't know how that's going to play out. Probably not going to be the first-round pick this particular year uh, at this point. Uh, but the WNBA uh, is uh, still around, which is pretty, pretty incredible. Uh, still, still exists. Uh, they're doing a fantasy league. And I will say, if there's anything that will get the American people interested in women's basketball, finally, after all of this time, when they are not interested, uh, that thing would be uh, some sort of gambling element. Not that fantasy basketball is gambling, of course. I do not approve of that. And to give you the most, the absolute most expected story of the day, could there be anything more obvious than what I'm about to tell you? Here it comes. LeBron James is going to open the LeBron James Museum by LeBron James so people can come and look and gawk and praise LeBron James while LeBron James will pay for that museum to celebrate the life of LeBron James. This guy is the modern-day Biff Tannen. He's created a museum about himself. No one seems to mind it. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, LeBron James. He totally deserves to create a... Who creates a museum about yourself? I guess presidents do it, but that's not... I mean, does anybody think that LeBron James is on the level of a president of the United... Maybe some of our worst presidents. I guess maybe you could go that direction. Will they have a room to celebrate all the slaves that make his sneakers and that he's helped uh, ruin their lives as he's uh, protected the Chinese Communist Party? Any, will there be a room to dedicated to that? Will there be a room dedicated to all the times he's uh, lied about the police? Will there be a room there to uh, show all the times he's badgered his teammates in public when they've made mistakes? Will there be a time to celebrate all of his air balls from 18 feet out? I don't know. I can't wait to go attend and check it out. The LeBron James uh, Museum brought to you by LeBron James celebrating the life and the legacy of LeBron James. By the way. Go to uh, don'tbealebron.com, don'tbealebron.com to get all your LeBron James merchandise that says, don't be an idiot, don't be a LeBron. When it comes to men's underwear, Tommy John's hammock pouch underwear is the full package deal. When you're wearing Tommy John's hammock pouch underwear, you are there. You are more comfortable. You can do everything in your life a little bit better. They have dozens of comfort innovations. Once you've tried Tommy John underwear, you're never going back. It's true. Innovations like an air mesh interior hammock, a moisture-wicking fabric, four times the stretch of competing brands, plus the legs never ride up, and Tommy John underwear comes with a non-rolling waistband for the perfect fit. If you don't happen to have the perfect abs like I do, that may mean something to you. That's why Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have fanatics, and I'm one of them. I love my Tommy John. They're freaking awesome. Not to mention not just their uh, underwear, but their loungewear around the house. It's awesome. With over 17 million pairs sold, men across America love their Tommy John underwear. Shipping and returns are free because every pair is backed by the Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free, guarantee. Get 20% off right now on your first order at tommyjohn.com slash stew. Go to tommyjohn.com slash stew. Get 20% off right now. tommyjohn.com slash stew. See the site for details. 
Make sure to check out the podcast. You can subscribe. You got five episodes of w- a week to listen to. I mean, lots of stuff uh, to check out on the podcast apps, wherever you might be. Subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. This one comes in. I'm, I don't think this is really from Jeffrey Epstein, uh, but I, I, don't, I don't. Who knows? I mean, there's a lot of rumors about that. Stu needs a tie clip. I love listening to your podcast. Stu needs a tie clip, just like our president needs a brain. I swear, listening to the State of the Union made my blood pressure rise. It also made me want to drink more. God bless Russian vodka, not made in Russia. Yes! We only want NATO-allied Russian vodka. And you can get that uh, from Smirnoff uh, or a few others. Um, This is from Byron. This is a YouTube comment. By the way, you can check out all the shows on YouTube. They're all up there for free every day. Subscribe, uh, you know, comment too, because the comments really help the algorithm. We really appreciate that. Byron writes, I filled up my truck today in Austin, uh, spent uh, almost $90, 404 a gallon. I'm so happy we canceled that dirty, mean old pipeline and restricted drilling. I sleep so much better knowing that I'm doing my part to save the planet while we give Russia, China, Venezuela and Iran a pass on polluting the planet. Thank goodness they pay no attention to the rules and restrictions we hobble ourselves by. Yeah, go get him. (laughs) Amazing. And uh, who needs a tie clip with World War Three on the brink? Be ungovernable. (laughs) I want to be ungovernable. Don't wear a tie. I know what, I, I need the structure in my life. I need the structure in my life. I need the sanity. The tie clip must come back tomorrow or all chaos and apocalypse is gonna break out. Back in just a second. Today is International Women's Day. Of course, here at Studios America, we celebrate all the beautiful women out there And each year we highlight a special woman, one who is far superior than all the rest, one who all other women aspire to be just like. But they can't really be just like her because they're just not good enough. This year, the Sue Does America Woman of the Year Award goes to Leah Thomas. Leah is not like the other girls. She's better, way, way better. For example, she has big, strong hands, not little petite, weak ones like other women. Her shoulders are just huge, just like her margins of victory. She's so talented and amazing. It's almost not fair for the competition. She embarrasses her opponents on a regular basis. Now, this sort of superiority creates jealousy. Some teammates or competitors are complaining. It's pathetic. This might bother most women in her position, but it doesn't bother Leah. Why? Well, she's not like the emotional, catty, nagging girls she's destroying every week. No, no. Leah doesn't let her emotions drive her actions. So how does she overcome this? Well, I'll tell you one thing, she's tough. And that's why we honor her today. What a woman. Leah Thomas, big, strong, logical for once, sane. Not a nagging, whiny, emotional wreck, no, no. And she can even drive her car home without crashing into a telephone pole. Mm Mm-hmm. She's the single best female driver in American history. You know, I can't 
put my finger on it exactly, but somehow Leah Thomas is just superior to other women. Like she was created in a lab to overcome all of those annoying stereotypes and weaknesses of other suboptimal versions of the female type. And you know what? She's always got such a wonderful attitude. It never seems like it's her time of the month. Congratulations, Leah Thomas, the 2022 Studas America Woman of the Year.